Hello, welcome to How to CEO. I'm your host, Murray Newlands. The world has changed. When you became a CEO, everything changed. You can build an amazing company or you can crash and burn. Or you can find out how to make an amazing company. Here with the CTO How to CEO show, we're looking at everything you need to know to become a great CEO and issues that come up as a CEO. I'm delighted in this series to have Miriam uh, as my co-host. Hi, Miriam. Hey, Murray. How are you? Very good. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Ready to uh, get down and dirty in CEO land. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much. We're going to be doing a, a series looking at different issues that CEOs uh, face and some of those uh, issues as they come up in the news. Welcome to the series. Uh, we'd love you to give a basic introduction to yourself. Yeah, sure. My name is Miriam Joar. I've worn many, many hats in my life. Uh, my background's in hardware. Um, I worked in video games as a software developer for many years. Then I worked as a tech journalist for many years, which I'm still doing, uh, but I'm not doing it full-time anymore. Then I worked uh, as a C-level person for uh, some startups, including Pebble, the smartwatch in the heyday. I uh, worked at Engadget as a tech journalist, uh, also uh, in, in kind of the days that I was a full-time uh, journalist. And in this latest few years, I've been advising startups and CEOs and companies and, uh, you know, big and small, uh, to be honest, with uh, how to go to market, how to launch products, how to get the best, uh, the most attention when uh, putting a new, a new thing out there. So, yeah, that's what I do. I consult. And most recently, you're also known for your podcast, which is? Yes. Yeah, so I podcast a lot. That's kind of like my journalism arm of my business these days since I consult. Um, Mobile Tech Podcast. It's at mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, check it out. Subscribe. Uh, I'm on all the major platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. And if you're, if you've just subscribed to this it, during the month of November, uh, we're giving away the latest uh, Apple uh, AirPods. So thank you for uh, joining us and, um, and please subscribe. Yeah, those are AirPods Pros. Please note that they're the best ones. They just launched them. So that's very exciting. Absolutely. And welcome to everyone who's new, who's uh, listening to the podcast for the first time. So in this episode, we want to look at CEOs, uh, mobile, app, and politics. Politics yeah. is something that's generally uh, uh, most startups try and avoid, most companies uh, try and avoid. But for whatever reason, many companies are dragged into politics, whether they like it or not. Miriam, what are your views? Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, the reality is it's, you know, there was a time where tech was a bit of an insular place to be. But as tech is become at the, for, you know, come to the forefront of our lives, the reality is that it meshes now with uh, all the issues, you know, society, culture, um, and of course, politics, religion, everything. So you can't really avoid it. I think that uh, you can't live in a vacuum. You know, the internet has really kind of bridged the gap into connecting everyone in the world. And as such, I think as soon as you have a company, you have to start thinking about, you know, what, you know, how you fit into the entire ecosystem of the world, right? Right. And so sitting here in California, um, we were thinking before the show about some of the ideas, some of the things that come up and some of the issues that we wanted to cover. 
So the elephant in the room that cannot be ignored is America and China. And I know with uh, the mobile world that you look at uh, a lot, uh, there are many things happening with um, uh, mobile and politics, uh, what's happening with phones, with 5G, uh, what's happening and uh, what's hot in political, political news for CEOs that they need to know about in that space. I mean, the reality is that our current regime is is waging a trade war with China. And so for better or for worse, that's a, that's a reality. What that means, I think, as a CEO today is that if you have partners with Chinese companies, whether they be manufacturing partners or partners of any kind, it's going to make your life more difficult. Um, you know, I do a lot of consulting with companies in China, and I'm noticing that. I'm noticing that there's a lot of companies that are a bit more shy about working with US partners and coming into the market. And, you know, obviously the, the big the big kind of elephant in the room around this trade war has been the whole Huawei ban that, uh, you know, has affected the kind of the mobile industry the most. But I think that's just the first of casualty, uh, if there is a, if you want to call it a casualty, the first effect uh, from this from this uh, political situation that we're going to be seeing in tech. I think there's going to be more, and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> that's basically how I see it. So who do you see? Who do you think is going to win? Uh, are more Indian phones going to win? Are phones from South America going to come into the market and and take over that? Uh, Chinese-dominated market. Uh, I don't do think. In, I don't think. I don't think China is going anywhere anytime soon. I think that the companies that are uh, strong in Western markets, like Apple and Samsung, are gonna are probably already uh, making contingency plans to manufacture phones in India and in South America and Africa. Um, but India, primarily, I think maybe Vietnam as well, where um, they have um, great uh, skilled labor. Uh, that's affordable and resources, et cetera. So I think, um, you know, this is, this is about, you know, manufacturing more than anything right now. I mean, obviously, if you look at Apple, they're kind of the example, right? Samsung, to a lesser extent, they're a Korean company from South Korea. Um, and obviously, they're not quite as popular in China as Apple is. So they, they probably don't notice as much of a, you know, of, a, of, of, of an effect uh, from this, from this, uh, you know, from this trade war, but but I think uh, you know the other, the reverse is you know companies like Huawei in China and, and others obviously are going to potentially feel some some pretty uh, some pretty big effects from from this trade war. And um, you know, I think the thing we forget in the West is that you know, first of all, I don't think we're going to win this battle because our regime right now is incompetent, and I don't think we're going to you know it's not going to be in our favor in any way, shape, or form. Um, first, number two, the, you know, part of the reason is because our regime is incompetent, and part number two is part of the, is that China doesn't really care in some ways. They they're going to continue making phones, look, you know, domestically for massive domestic market that we can't even wrap our heads around in the West. Okay, so you know they don't want that. I think ultimately everybody wants to collaborate and work on the world, uh, you know, the world stage. And and be and be we're, it's a global economy. That's really where we're at. But if it has to be, the Chinese are just going to do be continue to do their China thing. But they have some advantages and technologies and know-how that we just don't have in the West. And we're going to rely we're going to rely on them for that. And then you know we're going to have to rely on other partners like India, Vietnam, South America to get 
these aspects done because we can't do it domestically. It's not that we don't have the skills to do domestically, it's that it's not cost effective to do domestically. And this is not, you know, a knock on um, the West, our country's ability, the US's ability to be good at, at, at doing these things. It's just that the economics just dictate that it needs to happen somewhere else, right? Right, and I mean, if you think, if you think long-term, and actually probably in a much faster uh, environment than we might think, if, if I was a, a Chinese phone manufacturer and, and America was saying, hey, no more Chinese phones, uh, but it's okay to have uh, Indian phones, I'd very simply just deploy cash in India, uh, which can scale up super fast, deploy uh, technology in India, build an Indian phone tech uh, company, and and sell those phones to America from India, from a, you know, it can be a, a, an Indian company. And then you have the same technology, the same capital deployed, and, effect, and effectively then the same ownership um, and the same, the same result, which is um, Chinese money getting great return, Chinese uh, uh, intellect, Chinese intellectual capital uh, growing and, and selling products to America. So it doesn't really matter where we buy them from. So right, in but, but in, in a global economy. But you're making um, a big assumption here. Which is? That the Chinese company care about the North American market That's at true. all. They don't. they don't. They don't. That's the reality. They don't sell here, okay? The reality is Americans and Canadians buy Samsung and Apple phones. Right. A select niche of the market share is covered by some smaller companies, uh, LG being also a Korean company. Uh, you know, they used to be HTC out of Taiwan, but they're gone. They're pretty much being absorbed by Google. Uh, there's Google, of course, in the U.S., selling phones, but again, their market share is, is insignificant. And then, you know, you have OnePlus kind of rising out of China, but OnePlus is part of a big empire called BBK that basically is a puppeteer above Oppo, Vivo, and OnePlus. And, and Oppo and Vivo both have their sub-brands on top of that, like Redmi is, is an example of an Oppo sub-brand. So they have an entire ecosystem of phones they sell in China that don't even make it out of China into the West at all. And OnePlus it basically got started and created essentially for the Western markets. And if they had to, they could just walk away from that, you know? So I think we need to, as people in Silicon Valley, be aware that you know, if we talk about mobile, if we talk about phones, China doesn't care or need to sell phones to us. What is important is that Apple can continue manufacturing phones for us, whether it be in China or India or somewhere else, to stay competitive with Samsung and others. That's and what fact, matters. And in fact, if they make their phones somewhere else, some of that technology, that know-how will go somewhere else, and that will only make those other markets also more competitive with us. Right. I think the thing I wanted to just say here is that do not delude yourself to think that the North American market, even if you include Mexico and Canada in that market, is significant for the Chinese. It isn't. It's a drop in the bucket. It's nice to have, and, but it presents all bunch of challenges. Even if you take away, you know, if you, even if you rewind five years prior to a current regime uh, to a much more, you know, uh, free exchange of, of economics between China and the U.S., it still wasn't a relevant market for them, right? So now it's even less relevant because it's harder to work here, right? For this market is harder to, to address. Um, and that's what Huawei is dealing with right now, right? So the other thing you have to understand is that, um, you know, we have an effect 
our, you know, our government today has an effect on what happens in Europe with China. For example, the Huawei ban means that Huawei phones can no longer run Google apps, right? Because uh, Huawei is on an entity list from the US government that basically prohibits American companies like Google, Intel, Microsoft, Qualcomm to sell their goods, software and hardware to Huawei, right? So right. that means that going forward, Huawei is gonna have trouble with some things. Now, they're not gonna have trouble with Android because Android is open source. They're not gonna have trouble with Qualcomm too much because they only very few chips from Qualcomm. They make their own processors in-house and you know they can find an alternative to the few chips they buy from Qualcomm. Where they're gonna be hurting is their laptop business because Huawei has a really good laptop business. They make some of the best Windows laptops in the world today and their Windows and their Intel, right? So they can no longer buy Intel chips. They can no longer get Windows licenses. But because it's not the biggest part of their mobile business, it's again, not gonna affect them too much in the bottom line. The thing is that European customers are you know, pretty accustomed to brands like Huawei. And by the way, Huawei is a series of brands as Honor is, an, is another sub-brand of Huawei. So in Europe, and in countries like India, these brands, Huawei, the Chinese brands, Huawei, Honor, et cetera, are pretty big. And so, you know, right now, Huawei and Honor cannot sell phones in Europe because European customers expect Google apps to work, right? So in China, it doesn't affect them because nobody uses Google apps in China. But as soon as you go to some markets like India, Europe, you know, there's a chunk of customers who don't care about Google Apps and there's a chunk of customers who do. And those customers, I would say are the majority and they're not gonna to be too happy. So that, that's, that's how it's affecting them in a global way right now. And then for the US, you absolutely have to have Google Apps. So it's not like Huawei Honor ever sold phones to the, in the US much anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much there, right? So I just wanna make sure that you listeners understand kind of like the, what the map looks like out there, right? And if anything, it's going to mean that uh, U.S. businesses are more are less likely to engage with those Chinese customers, and actually end up missing out on the opportunity of the American market of the Chinese market that way, because we're going to end up with two separate ecosystems. Yeah, and that's the problem. There's fragmentation happening both economically and technology-wise, and and you know, then again, there's all these other companies that are come. They're going to rise to take over the markets that Huawei is losing in Europe and India and North America for those people who want and need those Google apps. Because don't forget that BBK group that owns uh, Oppo, Vivo, and OnePlus, it's pretty massive. And Vivo and Oppo right now is pretty much, you know, restricted to China, uh, Southeast Asia, and some European countries. Like, I think it's also pretty popular in Russia and stuff. So, you know, you don't see, in India, of course, you don't see that too much. Then there's Xiaomi. Xiaomi is a huge company out of China um, and they don't sell in North America yet, but they're very popular in India and they do sell in Europe. So they could come in and kind of take over the slack from Huawei uh, in, in Europe. But in the US, we're never gonna see these brands. This is not gonna happen. OnePlus is kind of the exception because they came in early on and they were directly targeted at the West and the North American market and they're in good graces of the government, but how long is that gonna last? You know, is our regime just suddenly gonna have a, you know, um, a pissy day and say, hey, I'm gonna ban all smartphone manufacturers from China to come to the US because of XYZ unprovable security problem, right? 
And that's what's that happening. True. That's that's why Chinese companies right now, if you're a CEO of a US company working with a Chinese company, the reason people are being very kind of coldish, lukewarm about doing business with you is because they don't know what irrational BS our government is going to pull on them that is going to prevent them from doing business with you long term. And you don't really matter that much in the great scheme of things to them. Because the only thing we do very well in North America is software. Also, the Chinese government could easily at any point say, hey, stop doing business um, uh, in the US too. And that, Correct. Uh, and that could be driven by that trade war as well, just as retaliation or something. Although I don't think it's in the best interest of the Chinese companies, even though, as, you, as I said, their market share in North America is peanuts. But they still rely on, for, on us for, in, in great part for software, at least for for you know, anything that needs software in the West. So, you know, internally, they have all the developers they need to write software for apps for China, right? That's not a problem. Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of really great developers in, uh, in Eastern Europe, in Russia, Ukraine is a great, uh, great developer community that makes really good work, Bulgaria, all these countries. And so there's a huge resource of affordable developers available there for these companies if they need to target the Western markets, right? So we're not that important to them is a reality. That's why I think this trade war is going to be a problem for us in Silicon Valley long term. And if you're a CEO right now of a company in, you know, in the West, you should have a mitigation plan in place for this. If you have Chinese partners or rely on Chinese market in some way or another. Absolutely, and it's also an opportunity. Like as these companies are, are pushed out, that it is the opportunity to who's going to take their space. Well, and, and that means exactly, and that means like this is particularly acute if you work in manufacturing somehow. Like if you, if your business is about selling hardware, you really need to have a plan B in place now to manufacture in India or Taiwan, or you know Vietnam or something. And find those find those partners, find those manufacturing relationships and the distribution logistics relationships because you're gonna need them uh, potentially if things keep going. Uh, but if you don't do hardware, I don't think this is gonna affect you too much, right? I mean, like services and software, we do that really well in North America. I think we dominate in that field. Um, so we're probably okay there because we don't really rely on China. At the same time, if you know, and this is never going to happen because of the Great Wall internet uh, blockade of China, uh, we're not going to be able to launch our products in China without serious restrictions, as we've seen. Every time, you know, a company hopes to enter the Chinese market, like Uber or Netflix or whatever, they either get to, you know, have too many restrictions put on them or they get to have to partner with the local, um, biz, uh, you know, businesses or they get copied and rendered irrelevant very quickly, right? By local companies. So, you know, and maybe that's why, you know, our government is declaring a trade war in China because they feel like we can't, you know, we can't enter their markets as much as they enter our market. But I think that's short-sighted and I don't think it's going to work in the long term because we, we stand more to lose than they do. Well, let's see. Uh, I think that's uh, it for uh, this week's episode. Miriam, thank you very much. Uh, you've been uh, uh, very insightful. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, being on the show today and uh, look forward to having you on next week's episode. Absolutely. I'm Murray Newlands, your host of the How to CEO podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, please do share and uh, let your friends know. 
I'm Murray Newlands. Uh, I've been with uh, Miriam Jarrah. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show, and I'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.